Broadcasting from USA Swimming's headquarters at the Carolyn Dirks Building in Colorado Springs, Colorado, it's time for Kickset. Join three-time Olympian Elizabeth Beisel and U.S. National Team Director of Performance Matt Barbini as they host members from the USA Swimming community, ranging from age group to Olympic levels of the sport. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Kickset Podcast. My name is Matt Barbini. I am the Director of Performance for the USA Swimming National Team, and joining me, as always is three-time Olympian, Elizabeth Beisel. Beisel, happy holidays. We are wrapping up 2023. How are you? I'm great. Hi, Barbini. It's so good to be here. Like, cannot believe that we're already entering like the quad, mm-hmm. like year four. I mean, it's technically year three because of yeah. weird COVID Olympics, but yeah. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be 2024. Where literally, where is the time gone? How was US Open? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, to me, that's the beginning of the 2024 like season. Like I think about this, not really in calendar years, but in seasons. And so we're in the, this was really the first big meet of the 2024 season. Uh, It was great. It just like that meet in the pre-Olympic year is always one of the biggest and most competitive meets we have. And I think we saw a lot of finals heats there that will resemble the finals heat that we eventually see in Indianapolis. Um, and then even, you know, aside from the Americans that were there, there was some super fast international swimming there. Like it was just a great meet overall. One of the, one of the best, I, I call that the best domestic not trials meet that we have every quad is that pre Olympic us open. Yeah. yeah. And I like, I remember as an athlete, like going to a pre Olympic us open or back when I was swimming, it was that January pro swim, I think it was in Austin. Yeah. That was like yeah. when you really had to lock it in. It's like, okay, what is everybody around me doing? Like, how do I stack up against everybody internationally and nationally? And yeah. it's just like, it's a nerve wracking time to be an athlete, but it's also really exciting because if you're on, you're like, let's do this. I'm ready. So is it, is it also like, there's like a light at the end of the tunnel? Like, you know, that you're like, you're getting close to sort of the, the main goal. Yes, but it's like the most scary light ever. You're almost like, <laughs> like, like an oncoming <laughs> train. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I love this light and I love that it's there because the quad is so long, but then you're also like, oh, I, I better be ready for this light, you know, because yeah, otherwise yeah. It's like you got a whole nother quad. And, and that's yeah. like, I mean, we can get into the weeds of this, but it's just like, I think that's what makes it so special. You know, it's yeah. swimming you have once every four years in, in the global world and just like the regular world to kind yeah. of prove yourself. And so I, I think it's just a true testament to an athlete's obviously physical capabilities, but it, it's all up here. It's all mental. So, yeah. and it's right now, like us open January, like it's we're here. So. Yeah. Even from our perspective, we could kind of feel a difference. Just like the attention to detail from coaches and athletes is always a little bit higher um, in this. And, it, and I was trying to prep because my, the two HP staff that are here now are new. This is their first time going through this. And it was like, the the requests are going to be way more specific. They're going to be a little bit more like time sensitive and it, it's just going to be a higher volume of intensity. And I think they, they found that right away. Anyway, that anyway. It's not what we're talking. Well, I guess it kind of is what we're talking about I guess today. We can't. Yeah, but like yeah. So what we're really doing, um, no guest. So you're stuck with just us today. Sorry, everybody. We've got nobody to to soften the blow of me <laughs> and Basil being together for an hour. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna recap just some of the best moments of the year. We're gonna look ahead a little bit to 2024, um, mostly swimming stuff, but we'll probably talk some a little bit of uh holiday plans and non-swimming stuff too, um, or at least like non-in-the-pool swimming stuff. Um, so I wanna start and I'm gonna ask you the first question when you can ask me whatever you want, but um your your year of 2023 what was the best meet that you attended and what was the best swim that you saw oh barbini put me on the okay best meet that i attended i i mean immediately what jumps out to my mind is i can't choose one but both ncaa meets were unreal and on on like such different levels like i i cannot compare them but being witness to like Virginia women, just being Virginia women. And then being at men's NCAAs and watching Leon Marchand, just like do things that are honestly like 
not yeah. humanly possible, but they are because he did them. Um, I think was so cool. And for me, like I work those meets with ESPN. So I get to be on deck and I get to interview the athletes and kind of get to know them on a more personal level. And so I think that's probably one of my favorite parts about working those meets. Um, best swim I saw this year. That's tough. Cause I want to say, I mean, Leon, all of his swims were incredible. <laughs> um, you know what I really loved was it was a moment. It was the men's hundred fly at NCAAs and the winner from Virginia tech gave the most incredible interview. We should like link it in the bio of this yeah. um, because he just went on a real tangent of like swimming is really hard and sometimes <laughs> it really sucks. And like the 5am practice every single day, it's yeah. so monotonous. Like you're staring at a black line six hours a day and like for him to finally come out on top and like have that moment was so special. Um, God, I don't even know if I am answered your question, Barbini. And then no, but like, I, I do want to like, just build on that just a little bit. So just like contextually, it's like, you've been involved in NCAA swimming. And if, if I'm being totally honest, like my job is, is like, and the NCAA is sort of a little bit tangential to what we do. Like it, it is really, really important to us. It is sort of like the most important feeder system that the USA swimming national team has, but it's not our focus every day is sort of what's happening in the NCAAs. So how would you, you know, you've been around this for a, a decent amount of time now. Like, did you, while you were there, were you like, this meet is like one of a kind, one of the best ever, or was it like these just individual performances were off the charts? Like where did this meet sit in your mind? I think it was mostly the individual performances that truly blew me away. Like, watching Kate Douglas do what she does, Leon like all of these people, it's like, one, it makes me glad that I'm not swimming anymore. I'm like, there's absolutely no chance that I could ever do what these people are doing. It's unreal in the best way. Like I'm so stoked. Um, yeah. But to be honest, like when I was swimming NCAAs, I actually didn't like that meet. Um, there's a certain air of pressure that you feel um, that I never really got accustomed to. Like I was always fine at Olympic trials and summer meets, but there's something extra special and extra nerve wracking about NCAA. So I think I appreciate when people rise to that occasion, cause I never really was able to. Um, I think they've just tapped into a certain area in their brain where it's like, oh my gosh, like these, they are the real deal. Like these are the athletes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, men's NCAAs, if you haven't been, it's, it's a literal party, like Cal Bears alumni. <laughs> there's nothing yeah. better than a Cal Bear. I, I want to join the Cal men's swim team. <laughs> it's like so amazing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's 120 degrees in that pool deck. It's like gross and sweaty. And they're in these like full on bear. I mean, you've seen it, Barbini. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. Dude, it's, it's amazing. And then the women's meet is definitely like a little bit sleepier, um, but, but still exciting. I mean, it's, it's NCAA, so it's not like an Olympic trials, which we'll talk about in a bit, but, um, yeah, well, I'm going to throw the ball right back to you. What was your favorite? Yeah. yeah. And what was the best <laughs> event that you saw? Uh, favorite meet is always easy for me. I, I am. And I think I've said this before here that I, I never enjoy anything more than a trials meet like that. And it really doesn't matter what it is. It, if it's world trials, pan pack trials, even if we're just picking a, a world junior team or something like the idea of people racing head to head for spots on our, on our top team is the most exciting thing in the sport to me. Um, and that's not to diminish what happens at worlds or the Olympics. Like those are amazing, but the sort of the unknown of like what might happen at a trials meet and then seeing it sort of play out over the course of the five or, you know, next year, nine days it's just it's by far my favorite thing i just love the the flow of it you know and people coming out of nowhere the the unexpected the stories the people that you know do do what you expect i just that that is my my favorite type of meat um i favorite race is a little bit harder like you i mean i i saw many many great races this year and so like um from a from a u.s perspective I think, well, I'll get to that second. I think the best race I saw this year was Leon's 400 IM at Infuguoka. Like to see Michael's record broken was not something that I, I, I guess I thought we would see it relatively soon because so many have gone, but I did not think it was going to be 
this year until, you know, sometime during the season, really last at the end of last season, it seemed like it was possible. Uh, but to see that go down was because that was that one has just been kind of seemed a somewhat un, unattainable. Um, and so to see that happen with Michael in the building was really cool. Um, so that that was probably the best individual swim for me personally. It was the the two medley relays in Fukuoka. There just had been, you know, and I've said this before too, but like we were really good this summer at Worlds. Like our and I, I know the narrative around that it, it was not necessarily the case that we were great, but um, you know we won thirty medals in Olympic events. That's that's pretty good. Thirty one if you include open water, and and that's always sort of the target for us to get into those and get into thirty if we can or get close. And um, but we, you know, the Australians won a lot of gold medals, and we didn't win as many golds. Um, and so. You know, at that point, the the gold medal, winning the gold medal count was was no longer achievable just based on the number of events left. Um, but to get those last two golds and to close that meet and to go into the twenty four year with two golds and um, and beating beating the Aussies in both, that to me was like a nice um, a nice way to close that out. And I I said this to Lily at Golden Goggles, her interview, and this is like deep swimming in the weeds, but her interview after that race, she basically was like, yeah, we're still here. And that's kind of how a lot of us walked away from that meet was like, you know, everybody, the narrative was that we weren't very good, but like, we're still here. And we just won the last two events. So I guess we're still okay. A hundred percent. And to be honest, I think there's something to be said for going into an Olympic year with for lack of a better term, kind of a chip on your shoulder. Like, mm -hmm. you know what? Think that we're not going to show up in mm -hmm. Paris. Just think that, you know, for, for a yeah. second. And then yeah. that's yeah. when they get complacent. And I think the one thing that the United States breeds is the best team in the world every single Olympic year. Every other year, regardless, but like especially the Olympic year, like there's something about USA Swimming and we just – we dial it in, like we hone in on everything. And yep. I want to know for you, Barbini, like being at those meets, it's a marathon for everybody, but especially you, like you're responsible for every race. Can you kind of dive into lack of pun <laughs> My God, I, I'm like, oh God, all this stuff. But like, oh, shame. <laughs> but can you like shed some light on what it's like to be Matt Barbini at these meets and what it looks like day to day? Because I feel like most people that listen maybe don't really understand what you do. Yeah. So my, my job has changed over the years, but primarily what we do um, at the meet itself is we'll, we are like basically the, the race analysis and race video provider to the team during camp and prior to competition. There's a lot more that we do, but during competition, um, especially while the meet is going, we we're up in the stands. And so um, we have a team of three, one of us will film and then two of us will work on sort of analysis and then making video available to the athletes. And analysis means that we calculate the stroke counts uh, times to each position in the pool um, and then provide reports to the coaches on the staff, the athlete, their home coaches, all of that, uh, making sure video is available to everybody that needs it. Um, in addition to that, though, we're working with the coaching staff on sort of the, the flow of the meet. So um you know, what adjustments do we need to make to our relay plans? Um, we're at, we're meeting after every prelim session where there's a relay event to, to select the finals relay that involves a lot of, um, background information. So like, what has this athlete done on relays in the past? How good is their relay start? Um, and it's our job to be prepared with that information all the time. So whatever question comes up, uh, our goal is to be able to answer it without having to be like, Oh, wait, hang on. I gotta go look that up. Like we want to be prepared with all of that. Um, and then working with individual athletes. So, you know, it's like somebody comes out of prelims and it's like, I didn't, I, I wasn't very happy with that. Can we look at my, my stroke or look at my start or my turn or whatever, and um, doing specific technical work. And, it, and it's a little bit similar to what we do all the time where it's like, whatever comes up and we try to fix it. I mean, we try to be as much of a, a Swiss army knife as we possibly can. Um, and it's just, it, I think one of the challenges and what makes it fun and what makes it sustainable to do it year after year is that it's never the same. Um, so that it's like what the, the issues or the, the questions or the challenges are different competition by competition. Um, and then you'd add, you, you know, looking ahead to next year, you lay over like the Olympic attention and like everybody you went to high school with being like, Hey, I saw you walking through the, 
right, <laughs> watching right. on TV. Um, it just changes sort of the, and your mom is watching a lot more closely, even though she pretends she watches all the time. Right, you know, right, exactly. No, nobody really does. Um, but yeah, it's it uh, it's sort of whatever whatever we can do um, is kind of the expectation of of how we operate through those means. Jack of all trades, Matt Barbini. Jack of I all trades. No, you do it all. I love that like comparison, a Swiss Army knife. Um, I I have a question about kind of like the fitness trackers. Like I know the Sandpipers of Nevada use the Flex. Like some people are using Trident. Yep. Like, do you see an advantage to those? Have you seen more of an uptick recently? Um, I guess what is your expert opinion? Because those are things that like yep. I that's unheard of to me. You know, like the, I yep. that was available to me while swimming. So I'm wondering. Like, if I were swimming right now, would you recommend me? Um, I mean, I think application of those things depends on what your goal is with them. So the the rules now allow you to wear them in races. And um, the only rule is that it can't provide any feedback. So you can't wear like an Apple watch where you could get a text if your tempo fell too slow and you could like feel the buzz buzz and know that like your tempo is below one six or something like that would really only apply to distance events, but it would still be an advantage if you could receive communication from, from the deck. Um, but you're allowed to wear anything that doesn't communicate in a race, including on a wrist. Um, I haven't really seen many people wearing anything wrist-based. I know that's feels a little disruptive in a race while you're swimming. Um, but head-based things like Triton um, are, have also existed and, and Flex. Um, I think you there can definitely be some um, analysis, not analysis paralysis, but just like information overload. So I think you have to have a pretty clear idea of what you're trying to measure with wearing one. So if you're just going to look at what it spits out with no context, I think you're just going to get confused by what you see. Whereas if you have a plan, you know, you have a set that you're doing in practice that you want to evaluate, how does your heart rate respond to three 300s? Um, and how does it, you know, you're trying to, let's say you're trying to negative split them. Like what does negative splitting do to your heart rate? Or what does go, like going out the first hundred at race pace and then just trying to sort of swim a regular 200 on the back end? Like just, I think if there's a specific question you're trying to answer, it's really valuable. I think if you go into it without a specific question or a goal, you could just be like, I don't know what any of these numbers mean, but that number looks higher than that number. So bad. And I, I think that's right. where a lot of people get lost. And then it's like lost. a downward spiral. Yeah. 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 And I think it depends on how much tolerance you have for information too. Like, are you somebody that can take information and like, be like, okay, that wasn't great. And I'm going to do better next time. Or are you like, you take negative, you know, information and be like, ah, oh, that's it. I'm done. You know, like yeah. that it's, yeah. it really depends on the athlete and the coach and, and their, their level of familiarity with it. They're, they're interested in it and how much they're able to apply it to like specifically getting better at components of a race as opposed to being like this number said I stunk today, which is like, nobody should do that. Right. I, would yeah. you have wanted that when you were swimming? Like, I mean, as a 400 IMer, that kind of, you, there would be a decent amount that you could learn from it if you were able to like take it in context. I think, like you said, like case by case. So I think I would like it in practice. Um, and because I was always very curious as to like what my heart rate was, how far I could push myself. Like we did a lot of tempo trainer stuff. Um, but I think I definitely am somebody who doesn't need too much. Like I'm thinking about a teammate of mine, Katie Hoff. We had her as a guest on this podcast earlier this year, and she is very type A with her training. You know, everything she's so dialed in, she's so detail oriented. I think, I don't know if that would be good for her or bad for her. It might be like too much or too, uh, I don't know, not yeah. enough. But for me, I think I would just like a little bit, but not enough for me to kind of go in that down, downward spiral of like, oh boy, the season's over. Like yeah, these numbers are showing me X and it should be <laughs> Y, you know? So it, it's interesting though, because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I'm just seeing them on pool decks and warm up and using them for pace and and just warming down in general. So I, I was interested to get your take on that because you're kind of like the go-to guy for that. Yeah, I do think that there's this, it's just, it's new, right? So like, yeah. I, I think there is like, this is one of the challenges of our job because we, people ask us sometimes like, well, why don't you guys just like give every piece of information to every single athlete all the time? Just like, it, just bomb everybody with information and then people can self-select that. But you just, 
you know, you just uh, alluded to it with Katie. It's like some people may not respond well to that. You know? And so we don't know that. So it's like we try to kind of curate what we provide to people to what they actually need and want. Um, as opposed to just people can get overloaded with that stuff. And it's like, it's really not, it's never our goal to be like, to negatively impact somebody's season by providing like too much information or changing their focus. It's like, we always try to work within the parameters of what the coach and the athlete are trying to do. Yeah. Just yeah. minimize the overload of information. Like we're already thinking about so much, especially in Olympic year. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Exactly. I do also want to mention an amazing swim that I forgot to mention, but Katie Grimes, like just making the Olympic team and being the first member of team USA, like not just like the aquatics program swimming, like in general, first person going to Paris. I, and like when I read two time Olympian and Katie Grimes is still a teenager, I'm like, <laughs> what? like just yeah. incredible. And then like really showing her strength and for what I am like, she's a girl after my own heart. Like I, I am like, so just proud of her trajectory and how she's just managing kind of the limelight and the spotlight. Uh, it's, it's just really awesome to watch. So I had a crazy, yeah, I, that, I mean, that one at, at goggles, which, uh, you so wonderfully hosted, um, got that one, the, the race of the year, um, as it, as it should have, I mean, there's no race that really compares to making, um, an Olympic team. Um, and yeah, to make two by 17 is just, it's just inconceivable. 17. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I, incredible. yeah, it is incredible. Um, some other ones. What, so let's talk specifically about worlds aside, setting Katie aside. Did you have any other performances from the pool at worlds that kind of jumped out at you? Um, oh man, I think I'm always impressed by summer Macintosh. She yeah. like, no matter what she does, especially even at us open, I was just like the amount of sub 430 IMs she's had is more than anybody now. And it's just unreal. Um, I think Jack Alexi, I mean, we had him as our last guest, like mm-hmm. his, and we, and for those of you that listened, you kind of already know the story, but just his mindset and how confident he is in himself and how tuned in he is to what he needs to do each race. Um, and, and it's always nice to have an outside, outside smoke swim. Um, yeah. and, and I think he's somebody that we, are going to see pop off again this next summer. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's just, I, I, I want to name all the swimmers and all the, <laughs> they're all amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, any, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jax is definitely, I mean, yeah. it's fresh in my mind because we, we talked to him recently and, um, and we, um, he, like you said, had such a great perspective on it. Um, it was cool to see, to see Ryan Murphy, um, win the hunter back, uh, that, you know, he hadn't won a, a world championship gold medal in a while. Um, even though he's had so much success in that interim for him to get that win. Um, and especially as the, you know, the meet at that point was sort of like eh, a lot of silvers, you know, it's if we had turned that, if that had been another silver, I think that would have been a little less exciting than the, the gold that it was. Um, but like you said it, like in the moment, it's very easy to be like, that's the swim of the meet. And then the next day, you're like, eh, okay, that's the swim of the meet. Uh, it's like Kate Douglas is 2IM. Everything Kate Douglas yeah. did this year is kind of, uh, should be on that list. And it's, it's, she almost suffers from like having done so much that it's difficult to pick one performance of hers that really stands out above the rest. Like that, I mean, obviously the 2IM she won, but like she swam the 2IM, the 100 free and the 200 breasts individually at a world championships. It's like we picked events out of a hat and yeah. she just decided to swim them. It's, and she crushes them. Yeah. Yeah. So to medal in two out of three of those and the women's 100 free might be the hardest event in the world right now. Uh, that is, it, that's just incredible. An incredible performance. You're talking about versatility, like similar vein, Reagan Smith, I mean, I immediately go to U.S. Open and the two back, two fly double is like like a 204 and a six on the same night. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like stoked about 410. I'm like, there's so many great swims. Yeah. And and Reagan does those, that crazy double so frequently. Um, 
that we it's almost she doesn't get enough credit for it anymore that those 204 so fast i mean that was the world record not that long ago at this point of last quad that was the world record yeah uh, before she broke it in guangzhou um so i guess a few months later than that um but then to, to come back and go 206 and the two flash like that those, those are two very very hard events to do them both in the same session it's just it's almost not you're like, okay, well, something had to have happened. They delayed the meet by two hours or something. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, no, no. She just like did that yeah. again. Yeah, she just swam back and forth for a half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If you're not but getting it, enough credit. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, we never give her enough credit. But it's it's no. like so awesome to see her. Um, and I don't want to say like back because I don't think she ever really no. left. No. Um, but I think just like her attitude towards the sport, like she's back yeah. in love with it. She's so happy. You can just like see it in her body language. Yep. and. That's always nice to see um, from somebody that maybe was in a little bit of a rut and they can come out of it and kind of see that light. Um, I yeah. was excited about from Kibler's swimming as well. Mm. Like, yep. like, yeah, it's just everybody's doing great. Yeah, it's, there's, it's, we're going to talk about this later, but all of these things will meet, you get to the like, well, what's going to happen at trials? It's like, it's, it's impossible to predict because you have these things that just flow through the season. It's like, you, you probably would have said one thing coming out of our trials in June. And then you would have said another thing, maybe coming out of Fukuoka and maybe say another thing coming out of us open. And it's like, you're aggregating all of that together to then try to have some sort of coherent idea of what we're going to get coming out of trials. But then of course, there's going to be the kid that neither of us are very familiar with that makes the team. And then we're all going to go, Oh, all right, there's that one. <laughs> That's my favorite part about trials though. But I will say that like, not to be a downer, but like the hardest part for me about trials is being in the warm up, warm down area. Mm. Um, just because it's, it's two opposite ends of the spectrum, especially like if you're in the final and you're kind of in that top zero, 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 one percent, it's mm. either your dream came true and you made the Olympic team or you got third, fourth, fifth, or didn't make yep. it. And yep. that's maybe your career. Um, it's another four years. So it's, it's, it's such like a melting pot of emotions back yeah. there. And I mean, you're like, you're back there the whole time. Like mm -hmm. that's where yeah. you live. How is it for you to kind of, when you have those athletes who maybe got third mm -hmm. and they come, do they even come for video review? Like, do you, what do you say? Like, most, yeah. I mean, most of the time, not, they don't really come back to where we are. And I, I don't know that I would want to watch myself get third, you know, um, there, there have been some, um, I, I, I guess I don't really want to call anybody out in that like super vulnerable place, but there was an athlete in 2016 that got third, that there were three people that, um, that very well could have meddled. Um, and this athlete got there and I had worked with them a lot in the lead up through that. Um, and it is sort of hard to know what to say because it was an older athlete that their career, that was basically it. And it, it is really, um, you know, you appreciate them as an athlete, you appreciate them as a person, you appreciate having worked with them. You like, especially for me who like, I I've worked with some of these people, like repeatedly through the year, you see the amount of effort they put in, you see the amount of um, passion and determination and how much it like, frankly, sucks a lot of the time for them to like the training and the the sacrifice that they have to make and to see it come down to, you know, a, a half a second and, and to go the wrong way is super hard. At the same time, it, it there is a, a competitive element to it in my job where it's like you almost, it's like you have that conversation and then you just have to kind of shift to the athletes that made it because those are kind of now the priority. Um, and it, it feels, I, I've always described trials as just very unforgiving and merciless. Like trial, the, the, the format of the meet itself doesn't care who got retired by the event the night before, you know, it just, we just move on and not we as people, but like the event moves on and someone else makes the team the next morning or the next night. Um, and it is, it is a little bit, it can be a little bit unforgiving for those or or unsympathetic to those people that end up in those situations yeah well what's a heavy meat <laughs> <laughs> anyway before we get to that let's talk a little grassroots stuff so yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be rolling out a, a goggles on campaign so that would be hashtag goggles on all one word uh, which focuses on the early years in the sport how you learn the ropes of it um and so we have written here to ask you because you, you know 
nobody really cares about my swimming history, but what's your, oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, so what do you remember from your start and swimming? And I'm sure you've told the story a million times, but, um, and what are your, some of your favorite memories from like swimming is like, I mean, I think like everybody's swimming story kind of starts the same ish. Um, I didn't like come from a swimming family. I just went to the mommy and me classes at the YMCA because my mom and dad wanted me to be safer around the water and know how to swim. And is that similar to yours, Barbini? Is that kind of how you started? Uh, yeah, I took, I took lessons at the Y like, yeah. like most people do. Yeah. Um, but then I didn't swim. I like, didn't really swim as a kid. So mine is a little bit different. Yeah. That is your, because I was one of those kids where I was such a water baby. Um, I was like the only kid in the mommy and me classes that wasn't screaming bloody murder like, <laughs> being in the water. And then that turned into once I was old enough to join the swim team. And again, it was just my pure love for the water. And then the sport kind of came along with that. Mm. And I think the coolest thing about the goggles on campaign is really focusing on us, you know, like the sport itself, but like why we all do it. You know, like we obviously yeah. love the Olympics and tempo and all medals and all of these like intricacies about it. But at the core of it, we all swim because we start when we were probably young and we all just love being in the water. And, you know, for me, being on the Make a Splash tour with people like Colin Jones and Chase Kalish and Missy Franklin and the whole nine yards, it's it reminds us kind of why we do this and what we want to see from people in the future. And we, and we hope to inspire people to not become Olympians, but to just love the sport that, you know, we have. It's one of the best sports in the world to do for the rest of your life. You know, it's low impact. Um, you don't see anybody running marathons when they're elderly, but you'll see, you'll go to a master's meet and you'll see a 100 year old yeah. doing like a hundred freestyle. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I can do that now, like thankfully, but sure. like when I'm a hundred, I'll be doing great if I can do that, you know? So it's, it's just like <laughs> yeah. a lifelong passion sport. It brings people together. It's so good for your health. Um, it's a life-saving skill. Um, yep. you know, if you have the skill of knowing how to swim, it reduces your risk of drowning by 88%. And that's as close of a cure as you can get. So yeah. I, I just, it's rewarding to be a part of the USA swimming foundation and the make a splash tour and this goggles on campaign. Um, but I, I mean, Barbini, I do care about your swimming career. <laughs> like you like people are like, did Barbini swim? Yes. Barbini swim. He's amazing. So I want to know, so, like, what are your so, favorite yeah. memories? But so I, I learned to swim as a kid, but then I, I was more of a land sport person basically up until, um, like halfway through high school. And, um, so I played basketball, football, baseball, um, and was decent at all of them, but never like, you know, I wasn't going to probably play in college, um, in any of those. Um, and Got a little dinged up my sophomore year um, physically, so ended up swimming instead of playing anything else that winter. Um, and at these these are just like the the things you hear in the sport where it's like I had been in the water my whole like we had a little like above ground backyard pool um, at my house, so we were in the water all summer long. Like all of our vacations in the summer always kind of revolved around like either going to the beach or going to a place with a pool. Um, all the you know when I went to I went to like a sports camp as a kid, and we always had to do uh, 50 meter races. And like, I don't know how we didn't have to be pulled out of the pool with the hook, because if you don't swim in a long course, ah. pool, it's like swimming across the ocean. Um, uh, but I, I was in the water a lot. And then I ended up getting a job at a YMCA, um, in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, where I grew up. And the coach there was one of those people that, you know, a lot of people listening to this will recognize is like, was one of the most like welcoming and inclusive people who was just like, oh, you swam for your high school team? You're now going to swim for this YMCA team. And I didn't really have a choice. She just basically was very, made a very compelling argument. And I was like, okay. And so I started swimming um, for this YMCA team. And like you do when you actually start swimming a little more seriously, like you drop 
so much time so fast that it like that's the most fun it ever is it's like when, as soon as you decide like you're gonna go to practice every day it's like time is just melting off of your best yeah. times you can do nothing um, wrong yeah you still have exactly. time. yeah, yeah. Uh, every single meet it's yeah. like full seconds are coming off you know like it was that was and it's the most fun the sport ever is um so did that and then um you know i started that was kind of my sophomore junior year of high school um and then i ended up walking on to the the team um, at Boston College where I went to school. And um, I was a lousy, lousy college swimmer. Um, you know, some of that was just that like, I was focused kind of on other things. Like I it realized very quickly, I didn't know what I didn't know when I got to college. And I learned what I didn't know pretty fast. And it was like, oh man, like I do not have the 20 years of experience and technical knowledge that a lot of these people have. And it's very unlikely that I'm gonna catch up with any of that. Um, but I and I, you know I stayed on the team for all four years. It kept, you know, kept you keeps you in shape. I made some of my best friends in the world were from there. Um we didn't really get much better at that point, but had I not done all of that, I wouldn't be here now. So it's like, I have an incredible gratitude, especially to that coach um, that coached at the Greendale YMCA when I was you know, 16 years old, that kind of just saw that I had any interest in the sport. I mean, I didn't make the team that much better, but she was, she knew that I, that I could be a part of the team. And so she kind of forced me to do it and it changed the trajectory of like everything I've done since. Yeah. But, but I will say she, Maybe you didn't make the team better in terms of like your actual times. Right. But you brought something to the table. And that's something that I try to remind everybody, like when they're trying to decide if they join the high school team or the club team or the college team, it's like, you don't, I've been on myself, both ends of the spectrum. Like I've been the MVP and I've been to an Olympics where I didn't medal and I swam one event. And apart from that, like I didn't really do anything other than providing other services. So it's like, I think that's the best part about swimming is, is you don't have to be kind of like the Michael Phelps of your team to have value. And I hope, I mean, Barbini, that's you. And look at you now, (laughs) USA swimming, like running the entire national (laughs) like division of athletes. Like they go to you for your expertise after their race. Like, it's like, it's just so cool. So I'm glad that you shared your story, Barbini, because I care and all our listeners care. Well, thanks, Basil. Speaking of people we care about, let's bring Kyle in to talk about some podcast highlights. Kyle. (laughs) What's up, guys? So for those that don't know Kyle, he's part of the USA Swimming Communications team and is the brains, the organization, and the the diligence behind this show because Basil and I, I think, collectively would remember to schedule zero guests. (laughs) We would schedule each Uh, other. So it's just us again. Okay. So yeah. Oh, just, uh, there we go. Um, all right. So what I kind of want to just talk about, we've had, so we had 11 guests this year. Um, so we, we did it. We did one a month. Like like the plan was at the beginning of the year. Um, so I just want to ask you guys, what are some of your highlights and Kyle, we'll start with you because you got to listen to all of these a little bit more closely than we did. You probably had to listen to them multiple times as you edited them. So what were some of the highlights, uh, for you from the, from the show over the course of the year? Yeah, I think, I think for me, you know, you look at the the list of people we had on and it's, it's primarily athletes. And one thing that I really enjoy about this podcast is kind of what, what you guys were just talking about, how each athlete, yes, they all like kind of come from the same, you know, upbringing in the sport, but their approach and how they've grown through the sport is so different. And so um, I think that's one thing that, that really stood out to me, especially, you know, we had, the youngster and Alex Shackle, we had someone ranging from her being new to the spotlight all the way to Rowdy Gaines, where, you know, he's been in the sport for decades now. And so just hearing the the contrast of like the different approaches to the sport and, you know, you touched on it earlier, Matt, but like Jack Alexi, someone who, you know, I hadn't talked with or worked with too much before, but when we had him on and just hearing how methodical his approach was and, and how diligent he works, like, it's, it's, it's so cool to hear all the different approaches, um, to the sport and, and, you know, everyone's going for the same goal, but, um, they all do it in such a different manner. But what, what about you guys? What was your, some of your favorite moments? I'll go. I, I mean, I'm looking at the list right now that Kyle so beautifully wrote down for us. And it's like, we had Katie Hoff, Maritza McClendon, Natalie Coughlin, Brennan Gravely, Nick and Gabby Albiero, Dara Torres, Rowdy Gaines, Alex Shackle, Olivia Smaliga, Paige Madden, Jack Alexi, 
and Kyle Sagendorf. So, <laughs> I mean, you belong matter. right up there. Yeah. yeah. We're ending oh, on a high yeah. note here. Yeah. <laughs> like, how much diversity did we have there? It's like, like you said, we had somebody like a youngster, like Alex Shackle, and then we had Dara Torres, who is the oldest member of any Olympic team that we've ever had in swimming. And it, it's just so cool to see that there's not one right way to go about this sport and to have success in this sport. And hopefully one of the goals that I, I mean, I personally have with this podcast is giving all of our listeners, all of the tools, all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom from people that have made it in this sport and, and not to give you that for you to like make the success that they had or, or get the medals that they had, but to just make your swimming experience something more fun and more enjoyable and more rewarding. And I think that's the coolest thing for me is like, man, this is a podcast that I wish I had had when I was even swimming, just to kind of hear someone pick Natalie Coughlin's brain and see like how she operates and like, Ooh, maybe what she does would work for me there, but maybe not so much there and kind of like add to my toolbox as an athlete. So, and even as a parent too, I'm sure this podcast helps a lot with parents and trying to, you know, figure out like, what should I do with my kid? What team should they be on? Like, it's a, it's a scary world. I mean, you guys are both parents. So I'm sure when your kids are at the point where they want to start a new sport and you're like, oh, well, I know absolutely nothing about curling. <laughs> what do I do? Like, where do I go? Where do I sign up? And so it's like us yeah. bringing that knowledge hopefully helps. Um, Farvini, what about you? Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys kind of nailed it. Um, I think that having that kind of ends of the spectrum thing that you both referred to. So I'm going to just pick two of our last three. So we talked to Olivia Smaliga and she had this very um, sort of soft side, like very thoughtful um, way of approaching the sport that was, you know, integrated a lot of sort of other methodologies and the way she thinks about it is just very unique for a, for a high level athlete. Um, she's, she talked about her meditation and her mindfulness and all of, you know, the, some of the, the outside the pool, soft science type, um, elements that I think are super important, especially for somebody that kind of leans into that. And then our last guest prior to this was Jack, who just was like, so methodical with the way he thinks about the sport. And they both, have made our world championship team. They both won medals internationally. Like they, they both um, reached a level of success. They both had great seasons and approached it probably about as differently as you can. Um, if I'm going to pick like a favorite talk though, um, I, we were, I was in Japan. It was like six in the morning when we did the rowdy gains one. Um, and that one to me was just that, that was about as fun a session as we've had, because I really enjoyed that was before competition started um, and we were able to talk about what was going to come at Worlds. But then we also talked about the the piece that sticks in my mind the most is the Ledecky legacy part of that conversation. That to me is something that um, is so important just in the sport generally, just the place that she holds in it. Um, but to be able to talk to about that with somebody like Rowdy and with you, Baza, who have seen so much in the sport and are kind of so aware of the context and the history of of what has happened in the sport before. I just really appreciated the opportunity to just be in that room and, and be able to talk um, to Rowdy uh, about things that are are so cool to me still. It's like, I still have a fan side in the sport even after doing this for 12 years. So uh, that was that was very fun for me. I mean, Ra Rowdy's just a, a swimming, you know, encyclopedia. And, and, yeah. and, you know, we've had him on yeah. the podcast a couple of times and every time he comes on, you leave just being like a better swimmer. Like, you know, all yeah. these historical figures that, you know, probably 0.001% of the swimming world knows, but Rowdy can just rattle them off. And, and that's, that's one thing that I loved about that episode and having him on. Another one that I loved too, is uh, Brennan Gravely too. Yeah. Um, you know, Brennan is, he's, he's as good as it gets as it comes to, you know, a, a fun personality. But touching on the side of, you know, I think one thing that I love that one with, and I know Barbini, you've talked about this too, but like open water is such a good avenue when it comes to going to meets, getting out of your comfort zone, and even a pipeline to the national team. And it's it's something that I think is super daunting. You know, Faisal, I know you've you've done some open water swimming and it's, 
you know, my, my brain just can't compute doing it. But the way that Brennan laid it out, I think, especially as, as someone as, as decorated as him, he's been one of our best open water swimmers for a while. Um, the way that he approached that conversation, I thought was, was super helpful for anyone who's even, you know, briefly considered open water. And, and it's just, you know, hey, you have to, if you get out and just try it, you're going to open a whole bunch of new avenues to your swimming career. God, yeah, not just your swimming career, just like your enjoyment of swimming generally. Like yeah. if it it can be tedious to swim back and forth looking at a black line all the time. If you can switch that up and go swim in a lake or the ocean, I mean, I, I feel like even for me, when we go see my parents back on the East Coast, I'll still go swim, you know, just down the shore. And that to me is a completely different experience than going and doing 2,500 in a pool. Oh, 100%. And, and accessibility, kind of along the same vein as you, Barbini, like, you don't have to pay for a membership, you don't have to go when the pool is open for lap swim, like the ocean, the lake, pond, wherever it is that you swim, always open. And yeah, it, I love it. I mean, I, it is also very hard, though. Like, we're it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, you're pursue this. Yeah. I like, like I I'm in DC right now. And I ran into Callan Keller in the streets like two days ago and she swam the 25 K at the 2007 world championships. And it was the first time the 25 K was offered. And in that 25 K, I think they actually had to stop it. Barbini, correct me if I'm wrong, because conditions were so bad. And then they had to like restart the next day. And it's just like, it's, it's such a hard game to play. And apart from that, like training for it. I remember when I was swimming at Florida, the open water, like group, Nesty would take all the lane lines out of the outdoor 50 meter pool and have the open water swimmers swim the perimeter of the open water of the 50 meter pool for yeah. two to three hours. But like in Gainesville, that's, that's the closest you're going to get to training open water. And so it's, it's really cool to, you know, see the different ways that people train and stuff, but yeah, open water, amazing. Highly recommend everybody try it. Yep. All right. So, uh, before we jump to our social kick questions, um, we've sort of alluded looking forward to 2024, um, trials and then obviously Paris, um, both of you give me one thing or one story or one event, anything you want that you're looking forward to most in this 2024 season. Kyle, I'll, if you have I'll, Yeah, I'll take it. I, I, I'll echo what Barbini said earlier in that trials meets, it's just a whole different ball game. And especially now going to Lucas oil, like I, you know, I've, we we had a I think it was November of last year Barbini is when they did the national team onboarding um and so we we did like a little tour of, of the stadium and it is you know you see the the pictures and the mock-ups and it looks big there but when you walk into that thing just imagining what a swim meet's going to be like or even at U.S. Open you know talking to some of the athletes it's like imagine like swimming backstroke at trials and like looking up and I don't know the, the dimensions of the stadium, but looking up to essentially the sky, like that it's going to be yeah. insane. So just, just, I think the sheer like spectacle of trials will be so daunting. Like it's, it's scary to think about, but it's also just going to be so cool to, to have everyone kind of experience that for the first time since it's never been done. Yep. I, I mean, I, I fully agree. Like, you, you know what I thought of when you said like you're swimming backstroke and you're looking at the sky, I was like, I wonder what the athletes will follow when they're swimming backstroke. I always think about that when I'm at a pool, like what is my line that I follow when I'm swimming backstroke? But yeah, I mean, just Olympic trials in general, like seeing names that we know likely make it like Katie Ledecky, are we going for Olympics number five? That is why and she's not even old like she's like <laughs> Grimes scenario it's yeah. like hey, you're yeah. making your fifth olympics and you're like 20 like mid to late 20s that is wild so it's like storylines at that that like that that i don't want to take for granted like obviously following caleb dressel and you know he's back competing and, and i think that's just so beautiful and then chase kalish who swore to me that he was done swimming the corner <laughs> i am after tokyo and he's like ripping a 410 at USO. <laughs> like clearly still swimming the 4 a.m. Like 
all of these and the new yeah. storylines like the Kate Douglas, the Alex Walsh, the Gretchen Walsh, like the UVA girls. I think there's just, I mean, I could literally read through all of the results of all the meets that we went through and be like, yeah, that person and that person. And it's just, it'll be so much fun. And then of course, like big picture having a normal Olympics, you know, like obviously Tokyo was, was so different because of COVID and all of the restrictions that came with that. And just being able to do it the way that I, I knew an Olympics was like as an athlete. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for all that. Barbini, what about you? Yeah. So you guys, you guys definitely said my two, I mean, obviously trials, trials, we could hold trials in a bathtub and it would still be my favorite meet. That yeah. is, it's just my favorite event um, on the calendar every four years. Um, and it's not really all that close, um, but trials in a football stadium is just, it, I, you know, it's, it was cool at a basketball arena uh, that the scale of it was, was amazing. So I, I just think the, the, the spectacle of having it in someplace like that is going to be really cool and something that the sport hasn't seen before. Um, and then the second was going to be the normal Olympics, just fans having fans in the arena. I mean, having probably the most prominent male athlete be French is going to be really cool. Like that is going to be, that crowd is going to be, uh, serious <laughs> to deal with for us. You know, it's going to, like yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I, I almost talked about this in the opposite earlier, but like rivalry is good for the sport, right? Like swimming is better when Australia is good. Swimming is better when Canada, GB, Japan are all good. Like fast swimming is better for the sport. And there's a diversity of fast swimming around the world right now. Um, and there is kind of a renewal of the U.S.-Australia rivalry. I mean, they they are as good as they've been since I've been in this job right now. Um, and so a little increased intensity around that, I think, is a fun story. It gives a little extra motivation to everybody, but it also just kind of adds a little spice to the, to the event. Um, you know, it, it can be an individual sport, but I think we'd all sort of be kidding ourselves if we pretended that the team rivalry wasn't back a little bit. Um, and seeing how that plays out is going to be really fun. Um, I think I, I kind of look at it as, you know, it from the team sports perspective a little bit, just like, what would the storyline be if this was like a, you know, a world cup instead of an Olympics. And it would definitely be like these two powerhouse programs uh, facing off in the, in the biggest event. I, I thought it was super interesting when we were talking to Jack in the last episode and, you know, he just made his first international team this past year. And even then, like, you know, when we were talking about worlds and I forgot if he brought it up on his own or if you guys did, but he was talking about that same narrative of how, you know, the U S didn't perform this past year. And you could tell that he, who he was an international rookie he was like pissed off and it's like you see that fire even in the younger people and so you think about you know the people both on and off of this world scene from this past year everyone knows the narrative everyone knows you know what the takeaways were and, and what some of the you know public is saying and i think a lot of our athletes are absorbing that and just boiling it up and and you think about how that can pop off when we get to paris and it's it's gonna be super super cool i'm so excited I love a good, me but the too. thing about for me is like a good rivalry is so great. And like this cheeky rivalry between USA and Australia, but then like you're on the pool deck and these Aussies are like your favorite people in the world. And I'm like, the nicest I, people in the world. It sucks. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I love the Australians. Like I love them. I mean, yeah, I love no. to surpass them. I'm like, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, but it's just like, yeah. it's so classic swimming. Like everybody's just friends. <laughs> Yeah, I, love I mean, my my counterpart from Australia is like the nicest person, Jess. I just, I, I, I just can't stand it. I wish they were meaner. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, I know. I feel USA, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wish them many silver medals. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're at social kick this time is going to be a little different. So um, we asked what some of your favorite memories were or what you're looking for in 20 or forward to in 2024. Um, so I, uh, I'm just going to call these out. Um, and then, you know, if we, if you guys want to give them a, a little extra after I finish, please jump in. Um, so for Mia M her favorite 2023 moment is breaking a time I'm stuck on. Um, and she's excited to get better 
and show her true potential this year. I think breaking a time you're stuck on is the most relatable thing that can happen. It's so I'm sure Basil, you've had to experience this as much as anybody. I think 100% of all swimmers deal with this, yeah. like regardless of the level. And it, and yeah. like once you finally do, like Mia said, it is it is the best thing because it opens and it's like you blow off the doors and you're like, yep, this world is my oyster and I can move forward now. It's the best. Yeah. So yeah. go Mia. We're so congrats happy. to Mia. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So from Hayden H favorite 2023 moment i feel like we could put hayden h and then like in parentheses after it everybody uh yes. caleb winning caleb winning the hunter fly at the us open yeah. uh i we haven't talked a lot about caleb in this podcast and, and we probably won't but that uh his return will be one of the stories of the year um and to see that yeah I, I thought his 50 free getting under 22 in the b final was really really good and then to see him do what he does and get his hand on the wall first in the hunter fly um, is just really encouraging. So uh, excitement all around there. Yeah. I, I think you, you definitely touched on it there. Caleb's Caleb's journey is, is so interesting, but I think one thing is like, and I, obviously this is partially due to his success in 19 and, and 21, but everyone like Caleb is such a likable guy. And I think now that he's, you know, he's opened up about what he went through and and his approach now to both the sport and his personal life, especially with a baby on the way. It's like, you, it's yeah. it's such a cool storyline to follow, and, and the fact that he is already starting to to drop his, you know, his times and get faster and show those results is, is really cool to see. Yeah. Hard not to root for that guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like we're we're gonna like respect his journey and yeah watch it unfold and it's going to be awesome. Yep. All right. Gary S looking forward to 2024. Oh, we kind of touched on this earlier. So proud of Reagan Smith this year. And I can't wait to see what she does in 2024. Co-sign that. <laughs> Absolutely. Or two fly two back doubles. Yeah. Right. Funny. Yeah. yeah Reagan's like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <No more. Yeah. laughs> what do you mean more? <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is from Rose U, uh, both looking backwards and forwards. The bus rides to swim meets and the 2902 50 free. Uh, so that's from 2023. And then wanting to break 29 in the 50 in 2024. Uh, that gets something that we haven't really talked about as much as just that the things that happen outside of the pool within swimming that are just as impactful and probably more fun a lot of the time, especially if you feel like you're stuck on a time. <laughs> The, the camaraderie and the bus rides and the time you get to spend with your teammates is just such a huge part of what makes this sport so special. Um, so thanks, Rose, for, for calling that out. Uh, and then the last one, uh, Marinella D. Favorite moment was Ledecky's 800 free gold in Fukuoka for her 16th world championship medal. That, yeah, that's, that's, I'm glad she brought that up because we did not really mention um, her 800s from this year at all. Uh, basically the third and fourth fastest time in history. I don't, that might not be exactly right, but very close to um, 806 and 807. Uh, and to do that uh, 11 years after making her first Olympic team is just inconceivable. She is the greatest of all time and it's not really all that close. Um, and that just kind of, you know, it was the case before that, but this these swims definitely... Uh, moved it further down the road from anybody catching her. We could just do a whole episode on Ledecky. Yeah, and yeah, and we would yeah. run out of time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, there's, again, we did, we hardly talked about her today and it's like, God, am I part of the problem? Like taking her for granted? <laughs> yes. Like, no. I know. Ledecky, I am too. we love you. We're yeah. so proud of you. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I know it's like consistency almost makes it, 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 it like hurts her the way that we talk about her because she's so consistent and reliable that you're just like, well, and then there's Ledecky and we obviously yeah. don't think of her that way. She's the, by far the, the most dominant athlete that we've had, um, especially in a single stroke. Um, but yeah, but thanks Katie. <laughs> it's always great. <laughs> and just like genuinely a great human. Like for those oh, of you that yeah. have never had the opportunity to meet Ledecky. Yeah. She, the way that she carries herself 
she truly is just like a genuinely humble person. And if you saw her walking down the street and you had no idea like who Katie Ledecky was in the swimming world, yep. you would never, you would never know. And I think that's my favorite thing about her is like, she's just, she's so grounded. Yep. And she's going to be exactly the same person, whether she wins, loses, ties. I mean, drops time, adds time. Like she just, she's the best. She has such great perspective on swimming in life. And she adds so much to the sport and to, to everybody that she's so great on our teams. Like it's to have that, that influence on the trip, on these trips with us. It was just such a, such an advantage. That was, that was another going back to, to favorite podcasting moments. It was the Brennan episode and Barbini, I think you and Brennan went on a little like five, 10 minute tangent of all the crazy things you've seen Katie do in practice and training. And it's just like, that's the thing is like so many people see what she does, you know, on the, the national and international stage. And it's like, that's crazy. It's insane. The times that she throws down, that is, you know, what, 5% of what Katie does, like to see yeah. her in the gym in training set, like it's, it, she's she's the consummate pro at anywhere you know she goes Class watching act. i say this all the time but watching guys that have never seen katie train and by guys i mean male athletes jump in <laughs> and then halfway through the workout be like what is happening <laughs> she's just like demolishing them is one of my favorite does she things. ever stop yeah. and get tired yeah. no okay, great. Great. <laughs> great cool i think i have awesome. a cramp i need to get up <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, all right. Well, that was it for kick set. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Social kick Kyle Beisel. Thank you guys so much for a great year. Um, Kyle will be back in January, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Looking forward to it. We'll have a lot of trials based episodes. I'm sure coming out a lot of, you know, touching on some of our grassroots stuff that we have going on too. So, uh, yeah, we should, yeah. should have a fun episode. We're on YouTube now full time. So, um, you know, for those who, want to watch as, as, as Beisel and Barbini uh, stumble <laughs> their way through these episodes. Uh, <laughs> you can see. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stumble. <laughs> the guy no, I, gets, on, gets on a microphone once and he's firing <laughs> off insults. Puts oh, us on blast. Wow. All right. Obviously, you guys are, you guys are the best. Um, yeah, I think, I think we got a lot of good stuff coming in 24. So um, definitely be sure to subscribe and, and stay tuned. Yeah. And uh, if you want more info about trials that is taking place in Lucas Oil Stadium, an NFL football stadium, um, you can find that on usaswimming.org slash trials. Get your tickets. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you both. And thanks all the listeners. We uh, appreciate you as well. And we're looking forward to bringing you more good stuff next year. Happy holidays to everybody and happy new year.